shopping. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow and they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallam and Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane and Chain back with you again. We're going to break down a few different things. First, we're going to break down toilet bowl picks so we're going to talk about one of my least favorite rules in all of dynasty leagues we're going to talk about setting up for 2023 picks a little bit um because I, I was talking with john hogue and i kind of came on to something and i want to run that by shane and then we're going to do a 2022 rookie mock draft we'll see how many rounds we can get through a, a few i think about a month and a half two months ago shane and i were able to get through three rounds so let's see if we're able to do that again um but shane you know how I feel about this rule. Where yeah, the, there's a pick given for the toilet bowl. Um, here's here's the main reason why it gets me right, and and I know you're going to tell me that the sixth best team or the seventh best team, so the the, the best team not in you know the toilet bowl or the best team not in the playoffs, doesn't always get that pick. But the chance that that can happen is dumb, right? So if the 101 is up for grabs in that league, like in, in the toilet bowl, I think that's stupid and I think that's overpowered. Because let's let's just say that the team that just missed the playoffs, right? They're six and seven, whatever, right now, and they just missed the playoffs, and they get the 101 their team is going to be so much better. And you can say, Kane, we don't really have a strong 101. But the trade value of that 101 is still there, right? So that team is going to be instantly better. And sure, you can say, oh, then just the worst team gets the 102. Like, that doesn't mean that their team's getting exponentially better, right? They're getting a little better, but they're not getting a ton better. And I think that's a travesty. I think even giving away the one, a 113, making an extra pick, I think that's dookie. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, you're basically just saying that, like, we we just want you to, you know, set your lineups for a little bit. Well, what happens to the team that, that loses first round in the playoffs, right? Do they need to continue to set their lineups for a couple weeks? No, they don't. It's dumb. I don't understand it. And I know Shane, you're going to argue the exact opposite. Uh, look, I, I I think it's just habit for me because I've I've played in FFPC dynasties for a long time. They they, they do the kind of toilet bowl bracket where the two worst teams get get a buy, so you're guaranteed a top four pick if you're the worst or second worst team, and then play that out. The further you move, the higher the pick you get. The you know the one thing it it, it does, and, and I, I I know you you know you don't necessarily like this, right? But it does kind of put you at okay. 
I don't want to completely ruin my like tank my team. Like I don't need to be really bad, like really, really bad to rebuild. That is one thing that's nice is, you know, in a lot of traditional dynasties that we're in, like, I feel like if I'm going to rebuild, like I got to just sell off everything just so I can make sure I get the one-on-one and make sure I get this, make sure I get that. This way I can keep a little bit of a competitive balance um, and still, you know, do so that. What, so what you're saying is tank just enough so you just barely miss the playoffs? Yeah, like, like I, I've, like, there, you know, there's one league where I had a good team and it wasn't going great. I had a lot of injuries. So, you know, I sold off my older assets, but I didn't necessarily have to sell off every asset and I can still be competitive. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is like a lot of times the 101 and the, the player at the 101 isn't, doesn't end up better than the 103 or 104. There's been times where that saved my, my ass where not getting the 101 was ended up amazing. Right. And but the trade great. value of that 101 is exponentially higher than the 103, 104, regardless of who you pick, just the value of it is a lot higher. Yeah. Depending on the year, like this year, it might not be. Right? It should be. The it 101 be. should be more valuable than the 102. But it might not be. If I have, you know, in a one QB it, or, you know, even like, in a super, the worst it's year. going to be is tied though, right? The 101 is never going to be worse than the 102. True. It's never going to be worth less than that. Um, so that's, you know, but like, I, I think, I think it does, it adds excitement to me after it does that excitement for me to like, keep playing like, I, which I don't think you need, but it, it does suck when I'm not trying to field a competitive lineup anymore, but like these leagues I can, like, I, I want to win. It's almost worth more than any other matchup I've have like some of my playoff leagues. I, I more want to win this toilet bowl game than win the playoffs in some leagues, you know, which is exciting. I don't know. That you doesn't know. make sense to me. <laughs> because look, there, there, because there are there are leagues, right? We've all been there. We made the playoffs in some fantasy league, and we're like some dynasty league. And you're like, my team's not that great. Like, I'm not going to get that far, right? And it's true. Um, and I so and sometimes if I'm like man, I'm in a rebuild. I have some good pieces. Like my team that oftentimes if I have the worst team, sometimes I feel like I'm not going to be competitive and I'm fighting for this toilet bowl spot to get a 101 or 102. Um, man, I mean, it's almost worth worth more for me. It's a bigger money league. Like I'm, I'm it could really change my fortune a little bit. So um, I think he, here's the other thing that kills me, right? If, if the argument is, well, this helps keep people engaged. Well, then you have the wrong people in your league if you want to be really active, right? If you have to set additional rules to get people to be more engaged in a league, well, then that's a problem with the people in the league, not a problem with the league itself. And you and I agree on trade deadline. There shouldn't be one. Exactly. We agree on that. But if your league has a trade deadline... I don't care who you have in your league. What does it matter if they're not playing anymore? What do they care? Right. I can't trade anything. I so unless I'm unless I'm playing for something, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I just don't understand the toilet bowl picks to me. Um, you know, some some people 
they really, really like them. I, I don't get it. One person was like, what if you get one extra taxi spots, taxi squad spot for the person that wins the toilet bowl? And I was like, what a complete nothing burger. I mean, you know, like, like who cares? It, it, but, but the question is like, it, it has to be worth it enough for people to continue to care if you believe in toilet bowl picks, but it can't be worth nothing. And also, why do you want to celebrate people that weren't good enough to make the playoffs? But, but that's, you know, it's, it's the same way. Uh, like, it's the, the one thing that's better to me is, I've been, and I feel like you probably have too. I've been in a league where I'm like trying to get the one on one, right? I'm the worst team in the league. And like the last week, I, and I always set my lineup to my best lineup. Like I'm trying to win. But in the last week, I really need to lose because if I don't, I lose that pick. Like that's, that's a sucky feeling. And in, in these leagues, that's never happens. I can win every, every game. If my team's pretty bad, I'm not going to make the playoffs. Like I can I can pull a spoiler and I still have a shot at the one on one, you know. Instead of like rooting for my team to lose, hoping this guy gets hurt on my own team so that I can lose this game, so I get the one on one. Seems like you should have sold off more of your assets. (laughs) (laughs) We're just gonna move on because this isn't gonna end up well. Yeah, no, Um, that was fun. That was fun. So one thing I do want to talk about, right, is is because. We know how good the 2023 class is, right? We know that Bijan Robinson is one of the best running backs that we've had come in to the NFL in, in quite some time. And I was talking with John Hogue about uh, 2023 picks and um, making sure that our teams are right and set up right to actually utilize the best years of Bijan Robinson's career. Right. If your goal in the 2023 rookie draft is to get Bijan Robinson, then you better not waste the 23 season, the 24 season, the 25 season trying to now rebuild around Bijan Robinson. Right. In my eyes, Bijan Robinson should be one of the last pieces that you add to make a run. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. I want my quarterbacks to already be established. I'm not also drafting quarterbacks in the 23 class along with Bijan Robinson, hoping that all of them hit at the same time for me to be competitive, right? That doesn't make sense. So I think the most important thing you can do is, is use your 2022 picks in such a way that you're either trading them for as for you know, you know assets that are going to be scoring points for the next few years or you're getting assets that are trying that are you believe are going to increase in value and then sell them for players that are going to be scoring points because let, let's say you can use this exact same same for for um, Jonathan Taylor right now right let's say that you have Jonathan Taylor on just a really really bad team and you're like well I don't know if I'm going to compete next year. Like you do realize that next year's Jonathan Taylor's third year in the league already. And if you believe that you, is right third year? Yeah, yeah, no. It's yeah. just it's just funny that that's like an already like but that's but, how but, running backs are built. I know right, I, but, I get it. But you know what I mean? If you're not setting your team up to actually 
continue to win and you're just squeaking by with some Jonathan Taylor wins when he puts up four or five touchdowns, well, then your team wasn't set up correctly, right? Because you need to make sure that you're using the best years of these players' careers and set up, set that up ahead of time instead of waiting. And you're like, oh, Bijan Robinson did hit like I thought he was going to. Now let me add some old pieces, right, that I have to pay more for to be able to compete this season. Right? That's not the way that you should set up your team. So I'm I'm coming into some teams I know aren't good. Right. And I've been, you know, setting up for the 2023 draft and I've been getting a lot of picks. And maybe I have it's a Debbie league and I've set up. I already have Bijan Robinson. I already have some of these players. I'm now work my whole 2022 season is now working. So I have the most competitive team I can put together by the time that 2023 season starts. So when Bijan Robinson is now playing in the NFL, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Uh, no, it does. I I, I think in Devi especially, that's a really good a piece of advice because I think because you know you have Bijan already, you know right. you know who you have. So I think you can start setting up your team. Do you think in a more in a more traditional dynasty that that's more difficult to do? Right, because you know, once again, if like I want my team to be bad enough to get the you know, get the 102, 103, make sure I get Bijan or get one of these top quarterbacks. Um, but I do want to have the pieces to compete. Like, do you think that might be a difficult kind of line to tread? Um, yes and no. I think more what I mean is like I want to make sure that my quarterbacks are set up properly and actually scoring points, right? Yeah. If if I'm throwing out a lineup that let's say I have Justin Herbert and I don't know Mac Jones or something like that, right? So I have two solid quarterbacks, but I have nothing at the running back and wide receiver position. I'm still not going to win games, right? I'm doling out Rex Burkhead and like James Washington, right? In some of those leagues, so I know I'm not going to be super competitive, but I have the pieces to be able to add to and get ready for that, right? I think I think wide receivers are the easiest asset to acquire, um, I th- yeah. especially as the season goes on. I think wide receivers are the easiest asset to acquire. Um, and then you can always look for some of those running back two, running back three pieces, right? The Leonard Fournettes that always seem to be around. They're always around. You just have to go out and find them, right? Um, the James Connors that you could have, spent a second round pick on right a second round pick for and then you could have started building this team around jonathan taylor right you could have been doing that but instead if people are waiting i think that's a hindrance to their team and it isn't super effective because you're wasting the best years of their career no i i i agree it makes sense like these running backs hit so early that you almost need you know, I think even a guy like Najee Harris, like I'm scared this might be his best season <laughs> you might ever have, right? And if you drafted yeah. him at the top of a rookie draft, like you don't have the team to to do it. Like if you're going to go after, I think it's a great point. If you're going to go after these running backs, especially, you want to have the quarterbacks in place. And then, yeah, you you know, your third receiver, your second running back might be 
trading for handcuffs and you know picking up the Jalen Guytons of the world and yeah. you know make making it work, but you probably can if you have those other pieces. Right, and you know then you get to you probably have a few more twenty twenty three picks than just one, right? Let's say you get Bijan Robinson with one. Let's say you get maybe some wide receivers in in the late first or you end up trading those what would be wide receivers for wide receivers that are actually you know competing now and can make your team compete now right you know what whether that ends up being like the michael Pittman juniors what whether that's you know deontay johnson um jerry judy devonta smith t higgins right that tier of wide receivers that is both young and putting up some production that can help you and service you as that kind of wide receiver three. And I think that's going to be more effective to your team if you believe that Bijan Robinson is basically when he's coming in, he's going to be a top five dynasty running back. And if he is and he produces like he is, and you're struggling to put together a good lineup, you're wasting some really good years from Bijan Robinson. Um, and the way that this whole dynasty market goes, right, is that these running backs are at their peak value their first three years, three, four years in the league, and then their value starts to dip. So the way that I'm thinking is like you have a window of Bijan Robinson, right? It's like three, four years. And after that, you can sell Bijan Robinson and then try to get the next rebuild going, right? But then you have the window. It's not you need to realize that you it's really difficult to constantly compete in a in a league over and over and over again. Right? You have to hit all of your draft picks for that to continue to happen. Yeah. And I know one thing I often live by, I've done this in a couple leagues. There's one league I'm in first place where like I'm competing. Um, you know, it's super flex, it's too tight end, it's IDP, like it's got a lot of like I'm competing. And so I gave up a lot of my 22 picks to get assets, you know, mm -hmm. to get Kyle Pitts, get Rob Gronkowski, like get in these things that are going to help me. But I still have a, a ton of 23 picks I've saved up and I'm going to still spend those. So I can kind of do what you're saying, right? Get these high end running backs, bring them into my roster. I already have a pretty good roster. I have Justin Herbert, I have Joe Burrow and like they'll carry me and I can give up 24 picks when the time comes if I need to add an extra piece or two for that run. Right. And then, but then you realize that when 2025, when 2026 hits, you're not going to have as many of those future assets, right? Because you've sold a lot of those. So unless some trades really go your way, you're going to end up at some point having to rebuild that team when it starts to decline. And then you start the cycle over again, and then you build up your team. And so that's why I think it's really important to build through quarterback wide receiver. Yeah. And when you, then when you hit on a wide, on a running back, your team's looking really good. Makes sense. You know, yeah, absolutely. Because if, if you're saying that your team is a couple wide receivers away, well, that means you're more than likely going to give up way too much. But if you draft the running back to fit right into your team, I think that's, that's a really, really great spot to be in overall if you believe they're the best player available but Shane, let's get into this 2022 rookie mock draft um we might i think we're gonna have some discussion on the wide receivers because i've been working on my rookie ranks and i think we might uh we might get into it a little bit 
No, cool. I'm excited then. Um, so I'm going to start off because I really want to add Matt Corral to as many teams as possible. So I'm going <laughs> to take Matt Corral to 101. Um, reminder that here on the podcast, we're going super flex, um, PPR, tight end premium on this one. Right. So I'm going to take Matt Corral to 101. So Shane, that leaves you at the 102. Um, I think at this point, um, I, I think Nelly has helped convince me some of those lytics there. Like, I think at this point, without knowing draft capital, I, I'm going to go with Malik Willis at the 102. And it's not that I think Malik Willis is like this great quarterback prospect. He's my number four quarterback in this class. Um, but the rushing upside, athletic upside is just too phenomenal, I think, to pass up the fantasy points where I can move him at a high value if I need to. Which is wild, because you could have taken Mr. Fake Slide, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I could have. With his rushing upside and fake slide ability, which is what I'm going to take here at 103. Um, I, I understand the concern that we're going to get with Kenny Pickett, right? When we get in combine territory and we do the measurements, and it comes out that Kenny Pickett has, what, seven and three-eighth inch hands. Hopefully not quite that small. Whatever it's going to be. It's going to yeah, be in the sevens. I, th- you know? I, think, I think it's in the eight. It was confirmed, like, I think it was like eight and one-eighth, so. I want it to be even smaller. Like, Which could happen. I think that would be fun. Um, I, some concerns are going to happen with that, right? Yeah, people are going to flip their shit. But realistically, like, he's still a good quarterback. I mean, he's going to make a team really good. His, his ability to throw both outside the numbers as well as down the field. Um, he's definitely much more of an IQ player. Um, he just tries to make the best decision. And sometimes that does mean forcing it down the field when, when it calls for it. And he can do that. You know, it helps when you have the Blitnikoff winner on your team in college, right? Definitely helps. Jordan Addison's very, very good at football. Um, but I think overall he can just do everything. And, and that's why I'm going to take Kenny Pickett at the 103. And I'll finish off the quarterbacks. I know it's not a great quarterback class, uh, but I'll still take Sam Howell at the 104 until we know the draft capital and landing spots. I think Howell's three-year production window was really good. He ran more this year. There's still a lot to like about him, even if he doesn't have the upside of the other three. Um, I think Howell, you know, either him or Pickett are going to be the forgotten quarterback people are going to crap on, like Mac Jones, like Justin Herbert. And I think that's probably where some value is going to be. I I go back and forth on who my five and my six are. You know, they're both running backs. I think I'm just going to grab the one that I know can catch just a hair better, even though I think he fits in less schemes. And that's Brees Hall with the 105. I think he just can catch better. I think I want him in an outside zone run scheme more than I want him in a power run scheme. I don't know if you agree with that, Shane. I just feel like he fits in better to be more of a one cut than a bruiser with with what we've seen at Iowa State. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think that'd be ideal, though. I think he can do a power run scheme if need be. So, Oh, I, I think he can. I think oh, yeah. the benefit of both Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller is that I think they can work in both schemes so that you don't necessarily need a change of pace back to come in and spell the other one when the scheme changes right the old old school minnesota vikings right when we had uh adrian peterson and you know pick your zone runner 
Moel D. Moore or Chester Taylor or, right? Adrian Peterson ran the power plays when they wanted to do something else. They put in their second running back and they ran a few zone plays, right? As the change of pace guy. When they say change of pace, they actually kind of mean just a different offense. Right. Like that's actually <laughs> yeah, what that's they mean. Um, and and so, yeah, I I think both Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller can do that really, really well. I think they can work in both offenses. I think Brees Hall can just catch just a little bit better. I think it's fair. Yeah, I've recently moved Brees Hall into my RB1 spot. Um, it's so- more like 1A than running back one for me, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Um no, I feel that I you can make an argument for I think a number of these guys. I'll take Isaiah Spiller to one of six. I still have faith in him, though. I released a seven round mock draft today on Draft Countdown. Isaiah Spiller is actually the fourth running back off the board in my mock draft, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Um, when Why did Garrett Wilson change the running back or something? <laughs> not not quite, uh, but you know it, it was all uh, relatively close. Uh, I do. I do think Spiller has the size, which I like. I think he's going to be, you know, productive. I think like Javante Williams, right? It could be a, a situation where Spiller goes a little bit lower than we want, but a good good situation, and that propels him to be one of the better running backs of the class. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. I think um, if, if you're looking at pure upside, I'm not sure Isaiah Spiller really gives that to an NFL team, but I think he's going to be a really, really solid player that will make them happy. I'm going to take the my wide receiver 1A. I think there's another one that's 1B. But I think Garrett Wilson fits in more offenses. Sure, he's not going to be the most exciting player. But if if I'm looking in PPR leagues, I think Garrett Wilson is, is going to be really effective, right? If we look at the two things that make up a wide receiver 1, that means they're pairing a, a large amount of targets with people that are really efficient with those targets. And I think he has the best chance for both of those things to happen out of any wide receiver in this class. I think you can make a case that Traylon Burks will be really efficient with his targets, but I'm not sure it's going to be really tough to sell me on a time where Traylon Burks is going to have more targets than Garrett Wilson. If both are healthy, if that makes sense. I think it's very fair. Like, I think Garrett Wilson can be Deontay Johnson, right? And just like eat up targets and catches and get separation super easily. I'll take Traylon Burks to the 108, which I think has this, you know, alpha kind of major upside. I love them both. Like, give me either one. Um, but I do think Burks in a good situation can be the, the DK Metcalf, hopefully with more consistency. But that's been a big problem is consistency like you talked about, but uh, I'll take the upside and hope he can just smash. Yeah. So I'm going to take my running back three, then running back. Well, dries up really fast in, in this rookie draft. Um, I don't really feel really comfortable drafting anyone other than the top three running backs in the first, probably round and a half round and three quarters. Um, It's going to be a tough sell for me to draft a running back kind of early second unless they get some really nice draft capital. Um, and then you got to be a little weary of that Keyshawn Vaughn-esque experience. But I'm going to take Kenneth Walker at the 109. Um, I think Shane and I were talking a little bit on Twitter about him. I think that I think he's going to test well. I think, and I, he's going to be a big bruising back that's going to test well. 
So I think he's going to be really exciting to some teams. I think if he tests well, he could be the top running back off the board. Like I think teams are going to like him. A lot's going to come down. Spiller, Hall, Walker, et cetera, uh, testing. I'll go back to receiver and take your boy, Drake London, wide receiver to Southern Cal. That was who I was thinking either Walker or Drake London. Like, um, uh, you know, we got tagged in the Twitter mock. You took London, I took Walker, so we just flipped them here. So um, it worked out. I mean, London, obviously the medical is a question, but I don't think it's a long-term thing. We saw him dominate. Um, I, I almost hope he falls a little bit in the first round and can go to a Kansas city, go to a team with a good quarterback that's willing to throw it up to him. And the sky could be, could be the limit. Um, you know, I, I talked to Dr. Ethan Turner about Drake London. That's a really similar injury to the one that Jalen Waddle had. Um, so he said there's a chance that he could still be active in his pro day. That'd be great. So, so if, if we see a little bit of movement from him in the pro day, maybe there's a chance that he does some things at the combine, like, then I think his draft stock will be exactly where it was. You know, I think there should could still be a few questions, but as long as those medicals check out at the combine, I think you could still be looking at Drake London as a round, a late round one wide receiver in the NFL draft or even yeah. early round two. I, I would agree. I think top 50s still, you know, that should be where he ends up. Yeah. And so at the 111, um, I'm going to make the pick just so I can trade him to Nelly. <laughs> Um, and Nelly could give you some, our analytics guy could give you some alphabet soup about David Bell yards per team attempt in the air, whatever. Like he's going to tell you that David Bell was good. Um, when you watch the film, you're going to just see that David Bell was good. (laughs) You know, like he catches a lot of balls. He, does a variety of different routes. He can win deeper down the field. Um, and the thing that I like, especially when you're playing in in a bigger conference like the SEC or the Big Ten, you get to see these guys against press coverage a little bit and, and see how they respond to press coverage. Um, and, and he did relatively well. I think, um, I think especially in the Big Ten, people can say, well, we don't really know the names of some of these guys that play press coverage. And even though they don't, you're not getting like to hear the names all the time. If you're a press corner and you don't hear your name said at all, that's actually really good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, sorry to bring up a Minnesota example of this, but like Coney Durr, who was a pretty solid press corner, he didn't get thrown at a lot. And that usually means that they're playing pretty well, right? That's the whole thing. If you play well and your name isn't said, like that's a good thing for a cornerback. And David Bell did go up against Coney Durr for a few times when they played earlier this season. Um, so, so I like David Bell here at the one eleven. I think, I think I'm I'm at the point now where I'm I'm going to try and take as many X receivers as I can um, because I think they just have a better chance for a high number of targets. Well, I, I'm going to go. Uh with the guy that I think will be the first receiver off the board in the NFL draft. And that's Jameson Williams wide receiver for Alabama. Um, You know, teams are going to love the speed and that's going to get them drafted high. And so those kind of players like a Henry Ruggs, we knew uh, probably wasn't going to be a Marquise Brown probably isn't going to be, you know, Devontae Adams or Andre Hopkins, but 
end of the first, early second, you know, I'm getting a wide receiver two with some some big games, some some uh, small games, some inconsistency. Like I'll take that. I you know I'll sell him when he has a big game. I'll try to get extract that value. I think Jameson Williams is going to go very high in the NFL draft, and that draft capital is worthwhile at this point. Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. Um, so that brings us to the end of our first round here at the 101, Matt Corral, 102, Malik Willis, 103, Kenny Pickett, 104, Sam Howell, 105, Brees Hall, 106, Isaiah Spiller, 107, Garrett Wilson, 108, Traylon Burks, 109, Kenneth Walker, 110, Drake London, 111, David Bell, 112, Jameson Williams. So let's kick off round two here, Shane. I know we can at least get through round two. Maybe we can squeeze in a, a third round here. Um, you know, I, I think this pick is relatively easy. I think this is one of the easier picks that that one of us will have to make. Um, and that's the counterpart to Garrett Wilson. Um, so at 201, like I have to take Chris Olave. I think it is such an easy pick because I think Chris Olave is the end of that tier for me end of that wide receiver tier. And then we start the next year, which really has some good players too. But I think Chris Olave just is the end of that tier for me. So I'm going to take him at the 201. I, I no, I, that's, that is the easiest pick. Um, <laughs> like there was the old, that was the only one left in this whole tier. That's it. I, I kind of think there's one more guy that can hit that tier. Uh, so I'll take him here and hope that he gets the draft capital. That's Jahan Dotson. Yeah. The wide receiver Penn State. Now he doesn't have the size. Uh, even even a Chris Olave, who's not very big either, um, that's a problem, and that's always a question. But I think Dotson has such good ability. If he gets in the right system, um, you know, at Penn State, he was used in a variety of ways, made some incredible catches. So uh, I think Dotson could sneak into that tier, but, I, you know, I'm not holding my breath per se. Yeah, I think he he was just at the start of my next tier. Um, I still have Chris Olave a little bit above him just because he can play both in inside and outside and still win against press coverage. And Jahan Dotson struggles against press coverage just because of his size. Um, I'm going to take at 203 the best gadget weapon in this draft. Um, and, you know, early in the season, I thought that best gadget weapon was Anaya Smith. Um, I still think he's very talented. I just don't think he's going to get as much draft capital as this player. And that transfer to Kentucky did a whole lot of good for Wandale Robinson. I think Wandale Robinson is probably one of the most exciting players for rookie drafts. And I feel like it can go anywhere from, I think Wandale Robinson could go anywhere from like 201 through like 303. Makes sense. In rookie drafts, just depending how pe how people feel about him, right? I have him pretty high. I have him here at 203 because I think teams are going to be really, really exciting to excited to get him because he can both work in the backfield as well as deeper down the field. Um, so I'm going to take him here, and I think he ends up with day two capital to to a team that really wants to use him in a great spot. I I, I feel that uh, I like Wanda a lot. He, we, we you've been banging his drum for a long time. I think we both have so. since Nebraska. Since Nebraska, he's like he was Nebraska the best player on the team. Just look at him <laughs> easily. Um, I'm going to go back to the running back well, the 204. I'm going to take Rashad White, running back for Arizona State. Uh, you know, was a, a Juco transfer to Arizona State. Had a good year 
last, this two years ago, and then this past season uh, really broke out with some huge games. A, l- a little bit on the the smaller side, we'll see if he beefs up a little bit, but um, he's going to go to the Senior Bowl. He's going to be by far the best running back there, in my opinion. Probably show out. Um, he's the, he's the guy I actually have in my mock draft over going over Isaiah Spiller. I think teams could really like. White's versatility, outside running ability, um, and you know, pass catching ability is huge. So Rashad White, I think, is a name to in this early second that makes a lot of sense to me. So I have two guys that I want to make sure I get here. Um, so I'm gonna just play what I know about Shane and <laughs> assume that I'm still gonna be able to get that player. Um I'm gonna go quarterback here and who I believe is is the fifth best quarterback. And that's Desmond Ritter. And I think Desmond Ritter could just fall in a good spot in that second round of the NFL draft, potentially late first. I think that's a little more difficult to see for me. Um, But I think overall, Desmond Ritter, I think, is a really, really good pick of the 205. His ability to run and his ability to just throw passes that have a high percentage of getting caught. Right? That's what Desmond Ritter Ritter does. He's a safe player. And I think a team is going to be pretty happy to get him. Like, I think Desmond Ritter potentially in like the second round, maybe even to a team like the Broncos, makes a good amount of sense. Alpin's shown a ton of interest. Yep. Sit behind Matt Ryan for a year. I would like that. Yeah, I man, I should take him at two hundred four. I I, uh, I was considering Ritter there. Uh, Rashad White was still going to be there for you. Yep, I know, I know. I just. Mm-hmm. Jump the gun. Uh, this next pick's tough for me, too, because I think there's a receiver. I think value-wise is pretty good. Um, there's one more running back that I really like, and then I can take the dreaded quarterback that neither of us like. Um, I'm going to go back to running back. I'm going to take Kyron Williams at the 206. Um, another running back like on that small end. So maybe this is a little bit high, but man, I mean, he had some electric runs this season. Uh, and so I think in, in a good system, even if he's not the guy, you know, that he could be a pass catching weapon. He could make some big touchdowns. I think he could be a f- decent fantasy asset. This feels about right for his value too. I think mid second is good. Yeah. I would have taken him in a few picks, probably if he was still there. I think value wise, this wide receiver you're talking about, let's see if I hit it right. I think it's George Pickens. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of George Pickens. I think it was impressive to see that he was back on the field. Obviously, he didn't get the production that we all wanted to have. Obviously, we wanted to just have absolutely monster games when he came back. Um, But I think he's a really solid player. And I think he's like a round two wide receiver to me. Um, And I I think he's good enough to be the X or the Y on a team. And maybe maybe that first or second option. Um, so I'm going to take him here at the 207. No, I, I, th- I think that's worthwhile. Uh, yeah, I heavily considered him there. I- I'm going to go tight end here, 208. I'll take our boy, Jalen Weidermeyer, um, out of Texas A&M. Looks like he maybe maybe won't even be the first tight end off the board in the NFL draft. But should he still should have, be. He should be. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping there's a team that likes the blocking, that likes the two-way tight end enough. I mean, he's still so good. I think Weidermeyer is still going to be a day two pick. And uh, honestly, we've had a ton of day two guys be, you know, really, really good tight ends in the NFL. So it's worth it here to me in the late second round. 
Yeah, I, I totally get that. I think he's a solid player. Um, this is where things really fall apart for me. It's a good book. Um, yeah. Um, by Chino Achebe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that pull. Also, I <laughs> that that ending made me a little upset. Oh like, man, you've somehow like triggered me already. Like, <laughs> but through through a book, and I was like, through literature, apart, I've read that, and I was like, I that's totally by Chino Achebe. I read it twice at college. It was great. How impressed were you that I actually knew who read that or wrote that book? I mean, I mean, I mean, I was I was impressed. That was your major, right? So yeah. Yeah. But not not your focus. That was good. That was good. That was a good poll. Yeah, my focus was actually Native American literature. So if we need to talk some Louise Erdrich. Yeah, that you're got you. I'm not sure I can help you too much there, but <laughs> um I I have stalled what I felt like was a good amount of time and like it still doesn't like this doesn't feel good to me. Oh yeah, do it. No. <laughs> um I'm going to take the most ex- oh. so it's between like a safe wide receiver and an exciting wide receiver to me. Um either way it's still a wide receiver on on my board. Um I'm going to play the room here and I think that the safe guy will fall a little bit farther. I'm going to take Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and the reason why I like Jalen Tolbert is that he runs a lot of speed routes. Um, and you're going to hear a lot of people say he doesn't have a ton of lateral agility. He doesn't work over the field kind of in the best way. But a lot of the routes that he was running were really speed routes, right? Whether it's deep down the field, whether it's it's using that speed to make a quick few steps and, and turn around and hit that curl. Um, you know, even the speed routes across the field, like... It's not like he was running digs and things like that, you know, like those 12, 15 yard. And he wasn't really asked to do that. Um, it, it was really just all speed with him. And so I know this speed is there. And I think we're looking at like a low 4-4 guy, maybe a little high 4-5. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but I think he is definitely going to excite some teams because you see some shining moments of like his route running ability when he he isn't being used completely in just speed routes, right? You're going to watch, if you watch some tape on him, you're going to see like some people say that he runs really sloppy out routes and he does. And the reason for that is because they're speed outs, right? Right. Someone's 10 yards off of him and he's just trying to pick up six, seven yards. Right. So he's just going to round that. So the ball can get there faster. Yeah. He doesn't need to be crisp. Right, it's the exact same reason why when we see DK Metcalf run out routes, their speed outs is what they run in Seattle. So it's just a quick route just to gain some yards. Um, it's almost like a run that's a pass, right? It's just a really, really safe pass. And so I think he's going to excite some teams just with that speed and his ability to run those speed routes because not everyone can run speed routes that are effective over the middle of the field, whether they're in and outs, whether they're, um, you know, slants, curls, goes, screens. Like, he can do it all, and I think he has some good size and speed to do that. Yeah, and, you know, at South Alabama, it's it's tough to gauge sometimes, but he's faced some big-time corners and had success, too. So, um, 
I'm definitely impressed. I would have taken him here for sure. Okay. Uh, so I'll leave you whoever your other mystery receiver is. I'm going to take Trey McBride here at the 210, the tight end out of Colorado State. Um, his age worries me a little bit. He's a little bit older, but, um, you know, it's had a dominant season, won that Mackey Award. You know, just a great pass-catching tight end. That's what he does. He's athletic. He can catch passes. Um, I think he could go early second round of the NFL draft if that happens. Tight end premium. I'll take. I'll scoop that tight end up late second round all day long. Yeah. So I'm going to go with who I think is a little safer. I know the injury is probably the reason why he's not um, kind of being talked about. But I think even with the injury, if he enters the NFL draft, I think he's still a top 100 pick. And that's John Mechie. Hmm, interesting. Now, I, I realize the ACL scares teams, but if he does enter the draft, it's just a routine AT- ACL at this point, right? And it's crazy that we're at the point where we can just say it's a routine injury. Um, but I think John Mechie showed this season that he does a lot of things really, really well. Um, none like top tier, but he does most things well. Um, and that's why I think he's going to be a solid receiver, probably solid number two, number three receiver for a team. So I'll take him here at the two eleven. Yeah, I, I was not considering him uh, in the slightest, uh, but but you know I would just guess he goes back to school, but we we don't know yet. So no, I I, I think believe it's, I think he goes it's fine back to school you. too. Yeah. But if not, you know that's this is where you would take him. So yeah. All right, two twelve. I'm taking your favorite player, Kane. My favorite player here. I'm taking Carson Strong quarterback out of Nevada uh, at the 212. We, we know we know we've talked at length about the knee issue and you uh you've talked about that pretty thoroughly. Osteochondritis uh, desiccans lesion is what it's called. That one. Um so you know not great but there's a lot of people that really 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 like Carson Strong. And so if if he somehow finds his way into the second round, third round of the NFL draft, then it's worth taking here. I feel like I could sell him later. Maybe if he's in a spot where he might be able to start or have a good preseason or whatever, then, you know, maybe we can let that happen and, and sell it value. So I just think a, a quarterback, if there are people out there that really like his passing, even though he can't move around in the pocket um, and it's worth taking a shot on uh, at this point. Yeah, he was in consideration for me. I, I will tell you that there's no other quarterback that feels remotely okay. No, but this and is this it. one for me. Like, 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 it was hard. It was hard doing a mock. Like Bailey Zappi, I had I think in the fourth round of the Packers, and I was like, well, that's it. That's like all the quarterbacks, like completely. Yeah. You know, that's it. No, I I agree with you, and I think it's interesting how all that's going to work out. Um, well, that ended the second round here, so I'm gonna recap that at the 201, Chris Olave, 202, Jahan Dotson. Um, I should probably say the schools where they're from because we're going to get into some lesser known people. Yeah, yeah. Um, 201, Chris Olave, Ohio State. 202, Jahan Dotson, Penn State. 203, Wandell Robinson, Kentucky. 204, Rashad White, Arizona State. 205, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati. 206, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame. Or, you know, the fighting Brian Kellys. 207, uh, oh, too soon. Uh, 207, George Pickens from Georgia. 208, Jalen Weidermeyer. Uh, from Texas A&M, 209, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, 210, Trey McBride from Colorado State, 
211, John Mechie the third from Alabama, and Carson Strong at 212 from Nevada. Um, Shane, you want to just do a quick speed third round real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's, See if let's, we can get it done. Let's do it. Oh, no I mean, no I, commenting, just players. Yep, yep. All right. Um, it's so going to get so hard. I know. 301, uh, Romeo Dubs. All right. Uh, From three, Nevada. Uh, yeah, 302, I'll take Brian Robinson running back Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on my list. He was on my list. No, my list is getting short. <laughs> no. Um, uh, three hundred three, who I believe is going to be one of the best wide receivers at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to take Calvin Austin. Oh, interesting. Calvin Austin the third, because I think he's just going to make people look foolish. All right. Uh, well, three hundred four. I'm I'm going to pick who I think will be one of the best receivers at the Senior Bowl. That's Alec Pierce, wide receiver, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a tight end at 305, the one that Shane and I always argue about, and that's Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama. Fair, fair enough. Ooh, um, oh man, there's just there's all just lumped right together here. Um, all right, let's let's, let's do this. Let's take this guy who's this tweet made people angry at you three of six i'm gonna take james cook running back georgia that was my next pick oh, uh, that was a good snipe <laughs> um i'm gonna take a wide receiver who's probably gonna end up going back to school but if he does he's gonna excite people quite a bit i think um and that's from michigan state and i'm gonna take Jaden reed interesting uh 308 i'll, I'll take a receiver uh, also, also at the Senior Bowl, um, Khalil Shakir, wide receiver for Boise State. Um, I think one of the increasing assets we're going to have at the running back position is a running back from Florida, and that's Damian Pierce, who I'm going to take here at the 309. That's that, that's a good pick. Um, Uh, man, this this there's just like three running backs I have, just right in a row here that I want to take. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, obviously. Oh, obviously Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers. Um, no, I you know I will I I'll still I'll just take three ten. I'll take Zeus. I'll take Samir White. If yeah. he comes out, there's rumors he will also be at the Senior Bowl this year. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, oof. Oh, 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 oh. Um, didn't, has Emeka Amezi announced for the draft yet? I don't believe he has. Um, I'm going to take him here at the 311 out of NC State because um, I think he's exciting enough where t- some team is going to reach a little too high for him. That's interesting. So uh, you're up last pick. Last pick. I mean, I got to go with with my guy. I'm going to take Pierre Strong Jr. running back out of South Dakota State. I can't write an article comparing him to James Robinson and not take him. So That's true. All right, so that, that sums up our third round. So we have 301, Romeo Dubs from Nevada. 302, Brian Robinson Jr. from Alabama. 303, Calvin Austin. Um, I'm going to blank on some of these. Memphis. 
Uh, 304, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. 305, Jaleel Billingsley, Alabama. 306, James Cook, Georgia. 307, Jaden Reed, Michigan State. 308, Khalil Shakir, Boise State. 309, Damian Pierce, Florida. 310, Zamir White, Georgia. 311, Emeka Amezi, uh, NC State. And 312, Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State. Boom. Nailed it. Oof. All right, Shane, you want to teach me something real quick before we run through our buys and sells real quickly? Uh, yeah, we. I think we can do that. Um, so I'm going to give you one of my favorite uh, kind of funny World War II stories uh, centered around George Patton, uh, one of my one of my favorite dudes. But in, in 1917, George Patton was a U.S. Uh, general who was stationed in a small French town of Borg. Um where the tank brigade was located. He was running out of there. One day the, the mayor of Borg, the small town comes to him and says, Oh, you know, officer Patton, I, I didn't know that, um, that someone had died. Like we need to pay our respects. And Patton's like, I don't think anyone died, but I'm just going to like, see what's going on. And so the mayor takes him to this, this quote unquote grave and starts to pay his respects, but it was not a grave. Uh, what it was was a latrine covered in dirt and kind of as a joke, the soldiers that used the latrine wrote uh, abandoned rear on it. Obviously, this mayor was French. He didn't exactly know what that meant. So he was saying a prayer to respectfully honor abandoned rear who had died in battle and was buried in this latrine in this grave, quote unquote. Uh, so Patton got a huge kick out of it. Didn't tell anyone. 26 years later, George Patton goes back to Borg, kind of going, you know, he's kind of doing a, a tour going back through all the places he was. They still have the grave there 26 years later. They have this, just this latrine filled with crap and <laughs> urine covered in dirt because they think it's a dead soldier and it never has been in almost three decades. I like that. It's just, yeah, it's fun. I like that a lot. Um, let, let's just get into our buys and sells real quick because we're just going to run through these. Um, go ahead and buy Jameer Gibbs. If he ends up landing at Alabama, man, the Alabama depth chart for running backs doesn't look extremely hot right now, especially with all the injuries that they've had. I think he just smashes because um, you're still going to have a you're going to have a tremendous offensive line, still a great quarterback that just won the Heisman. So stock up big time on Jameer Gibbs, especially if he goes to Alabama. A guy that I'm selling um, oof. oof 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 Shane, I just don't even know anymore. Um, one guy I have to sell is Justin Ross. If there happens to be one believer, like we just ran through three rounds and Justin Ross's name never came up, even if he doesn't and if he does enter the draft, his name's not even coming up. Like he's a day three pick. We are already have question marks with the neck, everything. So he is uh, a sell for me. Someone that I'm still not sure about. And this is a guy that I had as, as my wide receiver two for the 23 class for a long time, Shane. And you can attest to that before we saw some of these other breakouts. And that was Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah. Like I was a big Rakeem Jarrett fan. I just don't know what to do with him now. Like he's down at like wide receiver seven. Or something in that class for me. Like, I just don't know, like, what to do next, to be completely honest with you. He's actually my sell this week. So so that's what I would do with him. Hey. I, I, 
<laughs> I I think I think it's time to sell him while the name still has value, yep. and these other guys don't start passing. I think next year he's just going to get passed by, passed by, not doing anything. Maryland. Well, he stinks. did this year by Dante Dimas. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I think the Parker Washington without Jahan Dotson is going to pass him. Like, I think, you know, like, I think there's going to be Jalen McMillan uh, in that new offense is going to pass him. Like, I, I, that, that's my fear for Keith Jarrett. So I'm selling him personally. All right. So, so your sell is Rakeem Jarrett. Jarrett. My buy is Quentin Johnston, wide receiver for TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel like people have this, like, Keyshawn Booty. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Jordan Addison. Like it's kind of this top three. I think I think Quentin Johnston's in there just because he plays for TCU and they stink. He's 6'4, 200 pounds, and runs, you know, a 4'4 flat. Like he's he's good. And I think you can buy him. Like I would sell Addison for Johnston plus. I might sell JSN for Johnston plus and get some juice on top of that. So Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um, my unknown. And, and you've talked about this on the show before, um, but the 23, 2023 QBs, right? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I mean, great years. They're going to be the top of every Debbie draft. They're going to be the super flex yeah. Debbie. They're going to be the top of every, you know, C2C draft. Are, do we have fear about DJ Wongale? Do we have fear about like some, like Spencer Rattler? Do we have fear? Like, I, I don't know. Have we just forgotten what happened last year, what's happened in the past. Um, I love Bryce Young. I love CJ Stratt. I think they're excellent. I'm going to draft them high. Like, I don't, should I? Like, should I be a little more fearful? I, I don't know. I'm fearful, man. I'm scared. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that one. Um, but that's it for me and Shane. Thank you so much for listening to the Debbie Marketplace. We appreciate every single one of you. If you're not a patron, make sure you look out for those changes that are going to be happening to the Discord on January 1st. We'll t- we'll we'll set that up next in the next couple of weeks so you, you know what's coming. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you.